So decreasing traffic is website traffic. Everybody assumes is bad, but when we dug into it, it's not because we're actually talking to people we want to talk to. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. Here we go. And so with that, from the front row, weighing in at about 165 pounds, all the way from John's Creek, Sangram Badre. Like Rocky Scott. Yeah. So I was wondering why he's asking my weight before, right before we go in there. Well, now I get it. And then when he said, like, we're going to have a better speaker, I thought you were really talking about me, and, but it wasn't me either. So two letdowns right there. All right, coach. So customer of the month, like customer every six to eight weeks. I think this is super fantastic. Last year, who, who loved last customer of the month session? All right, that was fun, right? That was really good. Good timing. So we want to kick off with Jeremy because it, it's been really phenomenal. I've talked to Jeremy probably four or five times in the last four or six weeks. And every time I talk, I get jazzed about what we're building, what we're doing. So please give a huge round of applause for Jeremy Middleton. Come on in, man. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah. Great. All right. So we're going to start with a fun fact about yourself. And then I'm going to have Jeremy just walk through really three or four slides because there's like so much information there that I want to make sure that we do that first. And then we go through a Q&A stuff. So fun fact about yourself and just jump into your slides. All right. So I have two daughters, a 10-year-old and 18-year-old. And about two years ago, my then eight-year-old started calling me Padre and my wife Afro Mamba. And we have no idea why and she won't stop. So there's my fun fact. And it's really embarrassing to be called things like this in public. Anyway, yeah. Fun for you, not fun for me. That's, that's my fun fact. All right, Pramada. So I was going to start because a lot of people don't know who Pramada is, just telling you a little bit about us and give you some context of what we do. So at Pramada, we help large companies eliminate revenue leakage because there's a lot of valuable information in your in customer relationships and contracts that is not used or not used correctly. So who do we work with? You can see some customers. We work with large companies. They're all B2B. They have very complex customer relationships, and they have a lot of them, and they can't manage them. These companies have often been in business, like I said, a long time. They have large portfolio of customer products and services. They're often in silos. They don't talk to each other. They're usually larger than $300 million, uh, in revenue. Uh, most of the revenue comes from their install base, so keeping those customers and keeping them happy and being easy to work with is very important. It's very expensive to get new customers, as we know. They often have a pretty substantial recurring revenue stream that they may or may not be managing correctly. They've acquired and divested tons of companies, and they always have a focus on operating margin because you know these old companies typically have, think of like a, uh, a Dell, right? They have a pretty steady, low operating margin, and any minor fluctuation in this has a significant impact on their stock. So this is the type of customer we typically work with. 
what we do is, playing on this slide, so I said revenue leakage, and everybody probably thought, I don't even know what that is, because most of our customers don't know when we go to them either. Anytime you have a customer, you expect to get a certain value from them over the course of the lifetime of the relationship. But there's some problems, right? Large, complex customers are typically not billed correctly. You have churn. And if you don't meet your service agreements, you can have penalties, right? So with these large, complex customers, you typically don't make as much money as you want. So not only do you have a problem there, but that makes it even harder to do the things to get to an optimal relationship, which is the little green part there, which is upselling, increasing prices as planned, and renegotiating bad deals. You know, sometimes if you have a very complex customer and they're large, you give them a good deal at the start. And then by the end of the year, you want to go to your normal terms, easier said than done, right? Not only is it hard to do that, it's hard to even know how to do it because these customers are so complex. So we have gone through a process of converting to an ABM strategy. I'll hit this in just a second. We target high in the organization because most people like us don't care about revenue leakage, right? And the people who really care about this are sales ops and finance. We've narrowed down to a very concrete set of 332 tech companies we're targeting as an initial uh, focus. We started this in 2018. And with this strategy, we took our strategy, rebuilt our process, and optimized what tactics were working and not working. And we simplified our tool set too to map to this strategy and process. So we had 22 tools and we now have six of like seven. So in terms of you think of all the marketing technology out there, there's hundreds of tools, right? And most people just get more tools. But what we did, we did the opposite and we decreased our number of tools. It decreases our cost, right? It simplifies things and we can still achieve our strategy. So I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but just so you know, this was a pretty significant change and it freaks some people out, but it has been working because if you look, we reduced our tool set by 70%. Our ads are getting about double industry standard. We've quadrupled our sales acceptance rate of leads. We decreased the cost of those by 81%. Our deal time has gone down by a third. Since we're dealing with large companies, we have a long deal cycle. It's nine to 12 months for any deal. And we did have increased the mid-stage pipeline by two and a half times. And we started this in January or February of last year. So thanks to Todd's great guidance. <laughs> and Terminus has played a big part in this, right? Not only did you guys help us strategically in the beginning, you also have been supportive all the way through. And since a lot of people don't even know revenue leakage exists, our ad work with you guys has been instrumental in getting our name and message out there. So that's awesome. Five awesome. to seven minutes. There you yeah, go. less than seven. But that's awesome, right? That's crazy. Well, let's keep that slide. Don't change that slide. We can just sit down and right. chat. <laughs> let's not change that slide forever. Um, unless unless, unless it gets better. Yeah, unless it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> agreed, agreed 100%. All right. So we have been spending a ton of time since morning. We had a product session for a couple of hours with the product team. Where is Brian, Jack, and Tima right over there, uh, John? So, so it was a lot of fun. You have been with Terminus for about a year. Yes. What do you think of Terminus then, what you saw, what we had in the platform, to what you saw this morning? Just give us your real-time feedback on that. Sure. You know, when we started with that tool set, a simplification of tools, what we were really looking for, my background's in data stuff, not marketing. So uh, what we were really looking was some, uh, 
most effective way to get out ads. And that was really good. And I was, and I've been building a lot of basically funnel, full funnel revenue and marketing data myself manually. And a lot of the stuff you guys are putting together, well, two things. One, I didn't realize the power that was already in the more analytics side of the tool, which is really exciting because it, it's going to make my life simpler. And I like that. Uh, and two, the stuff you have coming in the product roadmap is things that I have wanted to do and I couldn't. So just a gap in the system, right? So the fact that one, you've always delivered great work on the ad piece. Two, there's a, you already have that is very beneficial to me because if you want to drive real, if you want to drive a continuous improvement, it has to be data-based, right? The fact that you already have that there, but then the new piece is coming, which will, it's like icing on the cake, right? It's, and the candles. So it's exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So let's, let's take a step back. This is a question our sales team gets all the time. And I hear that like calls and stuff, which is, well, why ABM? And like, why now? Why do I need to do ABM right now? But why did you guys decide to do it? I mean, you were not yeah. like a gigantic company. You don't have like tons of like multiple tools. You were actually consolidating them. Why ABM? Why now? Great question. So we had, when we started on this journey about a year and a half ago, we were marketing broadly to everybody, right? Because everybody has this problem. But we, I don't know if there's truly a strategy around it. Our CMO had started about six months before. She was just trying to figure out what's going on, right? Then I came on and we realized we weren't talking to the right people. We weren't using the same message didn't work for everybody. And a lot of our tactics we were using were bringing in the wrong levels of people in the organization. So like, for example, we were spending a good bit of money on content syndication, getting tons of good form fills, right? But when I went in and looked at the data in the, our tool reconciliation, uh, it turned out that the two content syndication companies we were using, about 99% of the people who filled out the forms, maybe even a little more, didn't care. I think there were two opportunities created out of nine months of content syndication. So with that data, it was very easy to turn that off, move to more of an ABM model. The funding actually paid, helps pay terminus, which is great. <laughs> but why ABM? Because the tactics we were using were ineffective and the data showed it and you just had to look at the data. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that literally proves the stat that we use all the time, which is less than 1% of the leads are new customers. You literally prove the opposite of it. 99% of the leads that you were getting were not, were not driving revenue. That's pretty cool. Now, let me ask you. You called it a vanity metric. That's one of those vanity metrics that you were yeah. talking about earlier. And once we, volume of leads was not necessarily a good thing. It just wasted everybody's time. So this might be a risky question. Open, we're all about risk taking over here. All right. So we'll just take it and then edit it if it's not exactly what we expected. <laughs> <laughs> it's a of editing. What will happen if you turn off Terminus today? Even if I would, I wouldn't say it right here, but no, I would not. But honestly, right. yes, I added that part. Yeah, sure. honestly, I would not turn off Terminus today because going back to that brand awareness piece, it is if people don't believe that revenue leakage exists or don't want to admit it or can't think it can be fixed, if we can't, the other tactics, that awareness of educating people that we can help solve. This was also another interesting, when we were in the product meeting, you said that you guys have no forms at all, except like one, because you have to for some compliance reason. But beyond that, you have no forms at all on your website. No forms, correct. If we did have forms, our, our personas are like CFOs of uh, Comcast, right? They're not going to come to our website and fill out a form. And if they don't know there's this problem, 
they wouldn't be looking for us either, right? So we need to educate people before we can even engage them, right? So when we talk about engagement at the company, it's not form fills. It is either event meetings, like we, right? It's ad clicks. It is, since we have a targeted 332 companies, we have the great advantage that we're targeting very high, which means there's only 10 to 20 people in the company that know, would care about this. So we actually manually researched every company. And so we know exactly who we want to talk to. So we can do our marketing automation straight to them. It enables our salespeople if they want to send personalized emails. So when we talk about engagement, it's all about how our tactics are reaching that known audience. And it's not form fills because I gave you the example earlier, a billion dollar company has 10,000 employees possibly. And only if only 20 people care about this, what are the odds those 20 people are going to be on Pramada's website when they don't know who we are? Yeah. Right. Then filling up a form. And then that's right. And the CFO is going to fill out a form. So we call them and harass them. Right. <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> Love that. All right. So um, I'm going to have let, you know, in a few minutes, if you have questions, raise your hand. We'll love, love to get questions going. One of the things that was very eye opening for me this morning when you were sharing that stuff and data and details around it and just walking to the product as well of how you use Terminus and everything. You were talking about website traffic and what has happened to your website traffic. Could you share that? It has gone down since we started using Terminus. So website traffic has gone down. And and you're all thinking the same thing I thought at first. Uh Uh-oh, how do I explain this to the boss? But when we started looking at it, actually thanks to knowing which companies are coming to our website accurately from Terminus, I was able to look and pretty quickly say, okay, previous year, 70% of the traffic was not in our target market and 30% was. So not highly efficient, right? But it's actually flip-flop. Traffic's gone down, but 70% of the traffic now is from those 332 accounts, and which is exactly who we want to be there. So decreasing traffic is website traffic. Everybody assumes it's bad, but when we dug into it, it's not because we're actually talking to people we want to talk to. Yeah. So the question is, is the traffic increased among your target accounts? Yes. So, so we get about every quarter, our goal is about 22,000 visitors. In Q4, we got 20,000 visitors, right? And so 14,000 of those roughly were our target audience. The most website traffic we got last year in a quarter was 23,000. So it was 6,000 our target audience. Uh, quick math, if I'm wrong... Apologies, but yeah, six to 14 It's right. It, no, our target traffic has definitely gone up. Yeah. And I think that that matters, right? I think that every conversation we're having right now, it's like ABM is hard or it's hard and it's complex. You know, the number of tools needed are, are more like the number of things now you need to measure are even greater. What would you say to that kind of conversation? Assuming our customer success team, I think is having that kind of conversation every day where people are sharing that, well, this is a big orchestration that we have to put together. How would you answer that question? I would say what they're probably trying to do is they're probably trying to force fit their current process and the tools they have into an ABM model, which doesn't work. They probably need to make sure they're putting a process in place that uh, supports an ABM strategy because if you're trying to force fit the other model, it is going to be hard and it's going to be overly complicated and you're going to be using too many tactics that aren't reaching your audience and it just sort of builds on itself, right? So yeah, I would say they're, that's what everybody tries to do. They, 
how many people get, I have the great luxury of saying, let's start over. And we yeah. started over. Everybody tries to force fit what they're currently doing and say, we'll make three tweaks and that's a new model. But it's not. You're just doing the same thing. You're just tweaking it. All right. Can you share your existing marketing team structure um, of like BDR? Where do BDR reports to you? How do the sales and marketing work? And, and more importantly, I think the one area where I would love for you to just go a little bit deeper on is how your inbound has changed because you're doing ABM. Sure, sure. So our structure, I always don't like sharing this part because we're not very big, right? But uh, let's see. You don't share numbers, like just structure. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I can't share numbers. I don't care. <laughs> if we only have 332 target accounts and yeah. if we closed half of them, we'd be wildly successful. You don't need a huge team, right? So BDRs are in the marketing organization along with the people who do like events and content and that type of thing. So we have all that in marketing and then sales is just purely sales. So once we get an initial meeting with a customer, we bring in a salesperson and it hands off from there. Unless something happens in the deal and we need to sort of re-nurture it a little bit, we hand it back to marketing. But uh, yeah, so it's a pretty straightforward structure, but we do have... BDRs, sales, and marketing all telling the same story, using the same materials, which I know isn't always the case, right? Especially when companies have been around for a little while, sometimes some sales reps like the old deck or that type of thing. But yeah, it's, it's all one message, one story across all the teams. Yeah, it's pretty seamless. And, and what, has the, what has the impact have been on your inbound numbers when you started doing ABM? Yeah, so keep in mind, if nobody knows who you are, nobody's, you're not going to get a lot inbound, right? We typically had one inbound lead quarter. And just for volume's sake, if you think about the size of the companies, and we have a pretty large average deal size. So when you think about, we don't need a thousand leads a quarter, right? We don't need volume for us is different than most companies. What's the but size of the deal that you close just for everybody's uh, reference? Quarter million average about is the initial deal size. We I'd say probably 75% of our customers upsell a magnitude of five to 10 times within two years. Probably it's a, so the deal, the average customer is large after about. And what's years. your retention? About a hundred percent. So just making, putting this in context is a hundred percent retention for like a $300,000 deal that very quickly gets to a million dollar within a matter of year or so changes the economics of the business in terms of number of leads you want. Yeah, that, that would have been good context to start with probably. Yeah. So, I yeah. want to make sure everybody gets it. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of one inbound lead a quarter, we're now, and actually, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, we've never closed one of those either, right? And, uh, <laughs> and now we're, we've, we're, for the past three quarters, five to seven inbound leads, partially because the right people are coming to our website, partially because our an interesting thing I never thought of, people at companies go to other companies and they say, hey, have you heard of Permata? And, and we actually have three inbound leads that are probably some of the fastest deals looking at that deal time. We're gonna, our deal time's gonna be probably about cut in half and I bet we sign two of three in the next quarter. That's big. So, That's big. So yeah, if we keep that five to seven, it makes my job a little easier, right? <laughs> That's I'd awesome. like people to come to us. All right, cool. So I have a couple of, like, are there any questions? Person here in the front. So thank you for being here and for sharing all that. I was uh, dropped into the product meeting earlier for lunch and I heard something, but I didn't get to ask all the questions that I wanted to ask. So I'm going to do it now. And that was around the spreadsheet that you keep manually that basically pulls all of your account-based data together so that you have the holistic view of the account. And like, how long have you been doing that? How has that evolved? 
How much time do you spend doing that? And then whatever you're comfortable sharing with what you saw with the roadmap, how might that change things? Great. Yeah. I know exactly how long I've been doing it because it's been painful all this time. So I make a spreadsheet. I just call it my account engagement spreadsheet and takes all my BDR activity, Marketo activity, Terminus activity, and sales activity. And it puts it in one and sort of prioritizes accounts by that activity. And you can click into it and get uh, details underneath it as well. And so I've been doing it weekly since May. It took me the most time to figure out how to build it, right? Once I built it, it takes me about half an hour a week, but it's the most painful half an hour of my week, I think, because it's a little tedious and I know it's coming every week. And anyway, yeah, so, but it's very helpful because that tells our BDRs who to call and they know exactly what content they've looked at and which companies clicked on ads, which all, right? They have all that information. So that's the spreadsheet. Based on what we talked about, I'm pretty sure I can get rid of this spreadsheet now and just send people to Terminus, right? Didn't you say we could, and we can even uh, account by account add a link into Salesforce so people can just click in and see the info on demand if they want it to. So I'm, that could be our messaging, get rid of your spreadsheets. Please, <laughs> that's our message. Like a lot of the stuff people do for our company, they're trying to manage you know, $50 million accounts on spreadsheets, right? And it's off of a thousand pages of contracts. So yeah, can we get a round of, round of applause for that and for product and engineering? Yes. Who else has questions? Go ahead. I was just curious to understand, you mentioned before that there weren't any forms on your website. So just curious to understand where the majority of your meetings are being set from, like what channels. And, and if so, like, and I would imagine most of it's from... From the, from the SDRs, it's coming from sales outbound. Like what's the correlation between when you send that data from your spreadsheet to a sales rep, um, the correlation between like getting, them getting that insight and converting into a meeting? Great question. Two main sources of our meetings. Since we've tightened up this message, we've tightened up which events we go to. And if we have a, meetings with 10 people at these events now, we get about uh, seven people who have a second meeting with us. So events have on from being okay to really good. And the other one is SDRs, and it really is an outbound brute force effort, right? I, I would be no good at this job. This is why when I said just the inbound relief is huge, it, I mean, it takes so much trust off the system. We had none before. Who else has questions? Of getting them to buy into the ABM strategy. Hmm, I like change, so for me personally, <laughs> I didn't mind, but that's a really good question. Change is much harder than building a process, right? Getting people to change. And I would say we did it incrementally, like we're still doing stuff. And so it doesn't feel like one massive change, right? Because we've been doing it like one thing every month or two, very methodically and planned. It was planned this way. So that's part of it. We And the second piece is there was this sort of frustration in the organization of why isn't this working better? Because we have this great thing and so I think people were hungry for change because they wanted to close more deals as a company. So it wasn't really that hard to make the changes, unfortunately. Fortunately, but, that, <laughs> but I know you were hoping for a more exciting answer. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't that hard to make you the changes. You have to and red eye, and then you have to put a set the whole company meeting, and you have to announce and have to- No. No, about once a month, I send out an email and say, Hey, good news. We're going to make, based on what we did, remember when we did this? Well, let's do this now too, because they go together nicely. And everybody goes, okay. 
And, but that, it's a small company, right? That makes it easier too, because if somebody has an issue, they can, they can just call me and we can talk about it, you know? Cool. What? Any questions? Shauna, over there. Hello. Um, so I was wondering how you orchestrate kind of the sales and marketing activities, if there are certain triggers that cause sales to reach out or if it's kind of on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, good question. So we've tiered our accounts. And so the 332, there's about 30 that are highest priority. They're half picked by sales, half picked by marketing. And the sales reps sort of make individual sales plans for those. And all the others, marketing engages first. So unless, so the sales teams can, if you don't have a structure or protocol in place, you, know, you can step on each other real easy, right? And it's frustrating for the customer and your company. So just having that structure in place allows the sales team to know where to focus and then just let marketing handle the rest. And as long as we're delivering leads to them, they don't care, right? Because I think our organization in the past year and a half, it was a largely a sales-led organization. And slowly over time, it's become more of a joint-led. It's not marketing-led, but it's more of a joint collaborative effort, which is really what you need in APM, right? Yep. So, but yeah, marketing definitely has a lot more influence in this now. I would say it's marketing, but don't repeat <laughs> okay. uh, I, I think everybody figured that out. But yeah. anyway. anyway. <laughs> All right. I have one more question, my name. Yeah, go ahead. I have a question. So I know that you've talked a lot about the product roadmap. I know that you are a customer that's been on the account hub for a few months. So what has changed in your day-to-day -day ABM strategy since you've adopted the account hub? I have not been using the account hub like I should have. And Liz, this is my fault. What's going on with this account? Uh, it's not Liz's fault. She she has been very supportive, and I there's only so much time in a day, so I've not properly adopted the account hub like I should have. But this conversation we had, going back to what we said, this conversation this morning sort of opened my eyes to how this can simplify my life, and which to, which is. Great. So my day-to-day -day life will be changing going forward. <laughs> and if I would have looked at the capabilities like I should have, I, I got caught in terms of, you know, we sort of put this ABM model in place. These things happen, but we sort of were doing some uh, really personalized work on some accounts and I sort of got sidetracked. So. All right. So before Eric uh, goes with this big announcement in a minute, 2019. New Year, marketing, sales, product, everybody's doing some, some exciting thing here at Terminus. You're looking at ABM. You're looking at ABM as like a driver for your own growth. Mm -hmm. What is it that you will tell this entire company right now who's, who's building this thing, who's selling this thing, who's marketing this thing? Is like, what are you excited about when it comes to Terminus and, and 2019 based on what you've seen? That's a good question. Well, one thing is the just... Kudos to everyone in this room. The level of service and support I get from this company is I've never been happier with a vendor. Just so you know, kudos to you guys. And I've been pickier with vendors too. Like I will, if, if I ask for something, they should do it, right? Because I'm paying them. And, and you'd be amazed at the level of service you get from some people. Well, you maybe you wouldn't be. But anyway, so that... Continuing, I'm very excited about, which isn't, which is more of a, a base for everything, right? I think the ability to take this manual work off my plate, but also the the gap I have had in terms of, of being able to clearly show my management how 
all marketing tactics or supporting the success at the company is, has been, I'm not good at internally marketing myself, first of all. And so getting help with that is huge because it's going to help me um, do a better job of explaining to our company what we do, how marketing is supporting and like multi-touch attribution type stuff. And you know, there, there's a lot of pieces that the information you guys, after seeing the roadmap, can provide that's going to, again, making about me, yeah. right? Make my life simpler, make, make it more effective for me to uh, communicate our success. Awesome. Well, well, thank you again for being here. You're and welcome. Uh, we are your partner along the way. And, and you have given us a lot of love and support across the board. So thank you for being. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.